Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. You're listening to the podcast guaranteed to take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He's the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, a Hall of Fame business achiever, international keynote speaker, ultra marathon runner, and the founder of Best Year Ever Coaching. Here is Hal Elrod. All right, goal achievers. Hey, it's Hal Elrod. Uh, here we are again for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. And uh, today is an interview. It is an interview with an author, and uh, not just any author, but uh, an author who I'm actually right now on page 97 of this book, and uh, I've been reading it very slowly because it is, it's so rich with, with content and strategy. My plan was to be done with it by uh, today's interview, and not for lack of trying, but I just keep reading and rereading and underlining and highlighting, and that's usually a good sign. So um, I'm excited for the interview today. And uh, I'm going to give you a formal intro of, of our guest, uh, Michael Isom. He is the author, entrepreneur, educator, speaker, wealth strategist, consultant, and the owner of Optic Financial. And he's the creator of the 2020 Personal Banking System. And Michael began selling mobile phones while still going to college in 1993. And thanks to his natural ability in sales, he was earning over $250,000 a year at the age of 22. Uh, in the course of his long career, Michael has acquired considerable expertise in 401ks, term and permanent life insurance, IRAs, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, macroeconomics, business succession planning, and real estate. And this exposure and many other experiences led him to find his passion in life in 1999. The question of what is true about money, what is not, and why and his new book what would the rockefellers do that's the title of the book the subtitle how the wealthy get and stay that way and how you can too and he wrote this with uh actually a, a guest of the achieve your goals podcast a former guest garrett b gunderson who is a new york times best-selling author and become a, a friend of mine as well and uh, this is actually the first time michael and i are connecting so you're getting the eavesdrop on the first uh, conversation that michael and i will ever have and uh, i'm really looking forward to uh, to it and uh, michael how you doing buddy um, very well, Hal. Thank you. That uh, that felt good to hear all that from you. Dude, right? Yeah. I know. Whenever you get yeah. a, whenever you get an introduction, <laughs> you're like, "Wow, I can't believe I did all that. It's crazy." You know? It's, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, now I'm I'm excited to have you on, and uh, and I, I do want to talk a lot about the book today because, uh, like I said, I'm I'm getting a ton from it, and um and I've even I'm kind of familiar with some of the strategies that you and Garrett implement because I've actually worked with Garrett on my own finances. Uh, yes. you know, in the last couple of years. And so I'm a big believer in what you guys do, but the book is just, it's, you know, some of it's reminding me of things I, you know, that, um, that, that I, I, I knew, but, but had forgotten and, and then I'm learning yeah. a lot new. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to it. Um, Wonderful. the first question I, I usually ask my guests as of, as of late is what was the first defining goal that you achieved in your life at any age, uh, but what was one of the first ones that gave you the confidence that you could achieve bigger and better goals? Yeah, that's a great question, Hal. I, I'm going to go all the way back to the age of 11, and I, I, I grew up here in southern Utah, St. George, Utah, near Zions National Park, out, outdoor community, and I had, I remember owning this yellow, Magwill bicycle. It was made by Huffy. 
you ever heard of a Huffy bicycle? And I rode that thing everywhere, and they opened up a BMX, bicycle motocross track, near my home. And I'm like, man, this is right up my alley. I do this every day. And they started sanctioning races. And the very first race they held there, whew, I, didn't, I haven't even thought about this for years, Hal. I'm actually getting emotional thinking about it. And this feels really good. Nice. I, I was determined that I was going to race and win on that bike. It was a big, heavy bike, but I rode that thing everywhere, and I loved riding it. And uh, I raced, and sure enough, I took first place Wow! in, in this little race. And I, I remember having a pie plate, a paper pie plate is my number plate that was taped onto the bike with a magic marker with my, my race number on the bicycle. And I uh, went home. I had a little trophy, celebrated with my family. Only, we only lived a couple of blocks away. My parents sold their bicycles, traded mine in, and bought me a brand new little race bike and i raced for the next three years and just had amazing experiences but i remember that feeling and it was incredible that that's amazing and uh and (laughs) and at at age 11 and and you're welcome for giving you that opportunity to relive the the memory yeah yeah Um, yeah that's really cool And, and it's you know it's it's amazing that it just it reminds me my kids are seven and four and it reminds me how important it is to right to help them set goals at a young age and and for sure you know develop that just that belief that wow i could set a goal even if it scares me even if i have a little self-doubt and uh and i you know i work hard and i can achieve it so yeah definitely very very cool so uh and obviously you know since then your goals have gotten bigger and, and better and uh, one of them i read in your bio you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year at age 22 uh in uh, what i imagine would be commissions is that <laughs> is that right commissions yeah yeah it was a hundred percent commission and so prior to that i was making eight dollars and fifty cents an hour and and for those that really get to know me i i want to make sure that everyone knows and I, i'm i'm married to my, my beautiful wife, uh, Wendy, we were engaged when I was making $8 and 50 cents an hour, not $250,000 uh, a year. <laughs> that's great. My wife same thing with my wife. Like the, 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 my big financial collapse, she, she was with me during that. I always say she's a keeper, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. all right. So, uh, so obviously you've achieved some significant goals, uh, I want to talk about adversity for a second. You know, that's one thing I think that we often look at people that are very successful and we see that, uh, wow, they've, they've got it all figured out. Or they, they seem like, the, you know, life just looks perfect from a distance, right? And yes. I think it's so important to, to acknowledge adversity and, and realize that, you know, on our, on our journey to success, we all experience obstacles and challenges and, and some of us give up or quit and, and those that, you know, continue and persevere prevail what was one of the most significant adversities you've had to overcome on your journey Whew. yeah that's uh that's a big one for me hal and i recently recently as of just the last two years gave myself permission to share this adversity in my life publicly and you read it in the first 10 pages of our book what would the rockefellers do and garrett encouraged me to put it in the book and and it's been significant for me and I'm, I'm now, as a result of going through that, I'll share it, but as a result of going through that, I'm a firm believer in leveraging our past experiences and extracting the lessons from our life and apply them moving forward. So I'd been in the financial services industry for seven years. I got in uh, late 1999 into 2000. and the end of 07, I found myself having lost over $4 million dollars in a bad investment and uh, wow. I put my whole family's life savings, our 
kids' college education on the line. And it was all those years of being in the financial services industry that I slowly succumbed to the traditional advice that high risk equaled high rate of return. And uh, so I had that money at risk. I lost it. And I spent the next two years in hiding mentally, two and a half years, to where October of 2007, my father-in-law pulled up to our home four hours away from where he lived with my two brother-in-laws with two big U-Haul trucks to move my wife and kids out of our home. And uh, I, I remember that day so vividly and the emotions that I felt because I found myself 12 hours later on the bathroom floor alone in this 65 square, 6,500 square foot home with very little furniture and is echoing. And my wife and kids left me there to figure out my shit. I was just mentally not healthy to be around. And uh, my wife knew that uh, the kids and her needed space for me to take care of some things. And and uh, on the bathroom floor, I uh, was screaming and yelling, why God, why? My nose is bleeding and uh, just from the pressure. And in that moment, I had a rush come over my body that I'd never felt before. And I, I knew then what my life's purpose was. And it was to figure out money and finance on a macroeconomic level to where other people did not have to go through what I went through. And since then, Hal, I've, I, I've been able to do that. And uh, it took me about three months to get back together with my family. That's when I spent a lot more time with Garrett Gunderson and other mentors and reading books and attending classes and listening to podcasts like yours and uh, just really searching and putting together things. But that's where the basis of what would the Rockefellers do came from was a result of that experience and reconnecting with Garrett again. You know, I, I I appreciate you sharing that, and 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 I do, I you know, I relate on some level in that that was you know, two thousand seven and eight was when for me I hit my rock bottom mentally, emotionally, financially. It wasn't quite the four million dollar loss, mm. uh, and I didn't have kids yet, right? So, mm-hmm. but but I mean, um, but yeah, it, it was it was the the lowest point in my life, and I mean, I think that for so many. Uh, Americans, at the very least, right? I think that that it, it's a story that we can relate to on some level. If you were, whenever I speak, I'll often go like, you know, anybody around during that 2008 economic <laughs> crash, right? And yeah. you know, everybody laughs and they raise their hand, like, was that anybody else go through anything? And it's like everybody's like, oh my god, it was the worst. Part, yeah. You know? Yes. So yes. yeah, I mean, not not to make light of it, um, but uh, but yeah, but I, I I appreciate you sharing it, and I think that sure. you taking that adversity and then turn kind of paying it forward, paying the lessons forward, I think is so important. And, and yes. so powerful. Um, yes. So before we get into what the Rockefellers would do, because that's what I want to ask you, I, I would love it if you would share. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big morning ritual guy. Obviously, yes. um, if you could tell us about your, you know, what is your morning ritual? Just run us through it real quick. You know, wake up at this time. I do this, 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 this. Like run us through it, and uh, and then you know, a, a sentence or two about or or. or Take a few minutes, just a minute, whatever, on uh, the impact that it has played in your success, in your ability to achieve goals. So what is your morning ritual and, and how has that been helpful for you? Yeah, thank you. I am very deliberate today more than ever before about my morning ritual. I wake up at 5, wake up at 5 a.m. Nice. And I uh, uh, make myself a cup of bulletproof coffee. Yeah, I'm drinking it right I, now. <laughs> <laughs> and I journal. I write in my journal, and I write two main things. Uh, it's evolved from I appreciate and celebrate, 
and I think about what's gone on in the last few days, and I write about that. Uh, it's evolved to uh, extracting a life lesson and then applying and being deliberate about it and then applying that to four areas of my life, my body, my being, which is my spirituality, and uh, my business and my relationships. And I apply that and write about that every morning. And, and I'm a firm believer in journaling and writing, uh, not only for myself and extracting the life lessons, but also for my kids for my legacy, and uh, so I, I talk to my clients all the time about thinking legacy because it benefits us and those that will come behind us. So I journal, I do meditate, and I do go work out. I want to sweat. I either go to a CrossFit gym or a cycling class or hot yoga, and I, I do that uh, six to seven days a week, at least on the exercise part. Weekends, sometimes my wife and I will go for a long walk or hike, but that takes place every morning, uh, and I'm, I'm deliberate about what I eat first thing and how I eat it and exercise and writing and putting myself in that mindset of what I want to feel and create that day. Yep. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's, it, it, yes. it is, you know, that is, it's what I would call your miracle morning, right? For sure. But I mean, I, yes. you've, you've got all of the elements or most of the elements that, uh, that, you know, that I, I would incorporate and are just um make all the difference the meditation the working out the journaling or scribing the bulletproof coffee right you, you yeah got to get some fat to the brain uh, i love it um how long have you been doing a morning ritual is that something when did you start that i started that five years ago and learned about it from garrett gunderson and and he, he i know he's learned a lot of that how from you um how long have you known garrett not that long. So he was doing his own thing, and then <laughs> I, yeah. might, I might have I might have added a, a, an element. Or I two. know you've influenced him because he's talked to me about you over the last several years. So yeah, cool, very cool. Yeah, That's cool. Um, the uh, all right. So the the main question of this interview, the question I've got right, it's, it's great because the title of your book gave me the question: What would the Rockefellers do? So. That's yeah. the question, and I know we can, you know, we can go uh, as deep and or as wide as, as you see fit. But uh, what would the Rockefellers do? How how can our listeners right get and stay wealthy? Yeah, yeah, it's such a great question. It was my search. I believe it's a great question. Um, my search when I was going through all that uh, crap five and a half six years ago was was discovering you know, what the wealthiest people in America do with their money, why they do it, how they do it, the characteristics around it. And what I discovered is that they think like a bank, they act like a bank, and number three, they create their own banking system. And my discovery first came from what are the most powerful financial institutions out there and their banks. Hmm, it's a great point. How banks... Banks teach us, banks, excuse me, banks teach consumers to do one thing with their money and they do the exact opposite. Yeah. So if you think about it, every product and service manufactured by a financial institution has this agenda or has these rules behind it. It's number one, banks want our money. Number two, banks want our money on a regular basis. Number three, they want to hold on to our money for as long as possible. And number four, they want to pay it back to us as slow as possible. Hmm. 
every product and service manufactured by a financial institution meets that agenda. And it took me years, Hal, to, to like, to like uh, 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 give into that, meaning, well, what about this? What about this? And what about this? Every product and service does because what banks do is they attract us to park our money with them and don't touch it. You're mm-hmm. in it for the long run. The market's going to go up. The market's going to go down. Don't touch it. You're going to break the compound interest growth curve. <laughs> right? Yeah. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to retire off of such a large sum of money you could live interest only from it? Everything that they do and sell meets that agenda. And in common sense, right? When you common sense would think, well, wait a minute, isn't the bank looking out for the bank, <laughs> right? Like when you yes. really stop and think about it, like that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Now, don't get me wrong. Their products and services uh, they they uh, provide benefits for us and they help us meet our needs and goals, but not our full financial potential. We take all the risk. What the bank does with our money is they turn it over and over and over. They take our money, they lend it out to someone, that money gets put back into the bank, it gets lent out again, and they're turning a dollar over and over and over, yet they're teaching us to just park it there and not touch it. Hmm. So the system that we created, which is what we learned about what the Rockefellers do, is that they use their cash, they have and continue to use their cash for future money decisions that they're going to make anyway, and they pay themselves the interest versus the bank, and that creates a very high rate of return. Pay themselves the interest instead of the bank. Okay. Um, yep. So the uh, so this is the this. So I've got they think like a bank, they act like a bank. They being the wealthy. And what was the third one, by the way? I was writing notes. They, and I didn't. They create their own banking system. Create their own banking system. Yes, uh, and and is that when when you talk about cash flow banking in the book? Is that is that what the banking That's system exactly refers to? That's exactly what it okay. is. Yep. Got it. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, so the uh, they pay themselves interest, right? So where do we go from there? Yeah. So we then define clearly with all of our clients what their number one asset is, what their number one investment is, and then what their number one strategy. So if we're to lay out how a set of principles for you to follow or any of your guests of your show to follow, we'd want to define, you know, the principles that we'd want to play by. So anytime that we're looking at money and finance and wanting to be an achiever in our life with our money, recognizing that money and finance play a major role in our life, enhancing who we are more than ever. And if we want to achieve more, we'll be delivered about these three things, what our number one asset is. And we have a quote in our book uh, are you an Atlas Shrug fan at all, Hal? Um, I I didn't get through it. <laughs> I I think <laughs> ten, ten years ago I picked it up, but I didn't get through it. I yeah, think I read. I ended up going. I googled. Sure. I googled Atlas Shrug book summary, and that was that's where I ended up. Yeah, yeah, it's a long one for <laughs> sure. And and one of our um, original partners, Garrett and I, taught us a lot about Atlas Shrug. So there's a quote in there by Francisco, one of the characters in there, and we have it in the very first page of our book, and it says the only man who does not need it is fit to inherit wealth. The man who would make his own fortune no matter where he started. If an heir is equal to his money, it serves him. If not, it destroys him. And so the thought process behind there is number one asset. What is your number one asset? 
and we believe more than any pot of gold or pile of cash or equity in a home or real estate project that your number one asset in your life is your own ability to think and reason to set goals it's your mental capital it's your human life value and so just like the reason why your listeners listen to your show it's to increase their mental capital their human life value recognizing that human life value is the source and creator of all of the property value in our lives so we're deliberate in teaching our clients and we put it all in the book what would the rockefellers do about enhancing their mental capital their human life value assets knowing full well that they can take that knowledge and go create in their own business go create more property value assets in their life so that's number one number one asset is being very clear about it and living by that principle in their life and then number the second one is number one investment we have clients all the time ask us and we're very clear in our book what would the rockefellers do the number one investment in each of our lives meaning where could we put cash to get the highest rate of return and it's our own business or our own career Hal, if you think about all the money that you've brought into your life, it's been from your own businesses. It's been from your own career. And it's what will continue to bring the most amount of money into your life. Do you agree? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so we're more deliberate than ever before about ways that we can create with our, within our own business or our own career. Increasing our mental capital, pouring that back into our business, creating more value for our clients. And the more value that we create, the more dollars we put in our pocket, and that creates a very high rate of return. See, I love this because this is, it, I mean, this is just, it's very, it's very much common sense. When you hear it, you go, yeah, why, did, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't I, you know, mm-hmm. like, but, but it's completely counterintuitive. It's completely, um, you know, but I think it's so accurate. Like, what's your number one asset? Yeah, your, your ability, your, the way that I wrote it, your own ability to develop and apply your mental capacity. And I, I look at yes. um, the world's yes. most successful people, right? They, they're investing into that asset, right? And it's going, yes. it's, it's whether it's reading books, hiring coaches, attending seminars, you know? Um, yes. So, so true on that. And then what's your number one investment? your own business or career. It makes so much sense. Everyone's always looking for like, how can I get 12%? How can I, you know, right? I mean, how can I, how can I get, where's the, where's the get rich quick? Where's the, where, what's the best stock? What's the hot stock on and on. And, and, and to your point, um, you know, I, like I look back at my career and I've been able to, like, I've asked myself the question, how could I double my income from, th- you know, this year to next, right? So that's a hundred percent return on the investment. If you just keep doing that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the, the compound effect, the, how exponential it becomes is, is, is just, is, is insane. So anyway, yes. keep going. I yes. just want to echo yeah. what you're saying because yeah. it, it, it yes. really is powerful. And I want to make sure, um, if I can say it in a different way that I just want to make sure our listeners really are, are clear. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm loving this man. So yeah. uh, Michael, awesome. keep going. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so along with number one investment, here's what I find the most out there with clients across the nation and it's that if when they or if they are bored with their current business or their current career, meaning they've stopped expanding and growing and creating, they start looking outside of their career or their own business for the solution. Meaning 
where can I put my cash where someone will be a wiser steward ah. over my resources to get a higher rate of return? So then they start putting all this cash outside their business because they're bored in their current business. It means they've stopped setting goals. They've stopped expanding and creating and growing in their own business, which is ultimately what fulfills them the most. If they would, if they would continue to set goals and do that, it would fulfill them the most, but they don't. They stop. They're not doing their miracle morning, their rituals first thing in the morning. They're not setting goals. And because they're not, they get bored. They start thinking the solution is outside of their current business or career. They put that money at risk. That money at risk may not have the devastating effect that it did for me back in the end of 07, 08, 09, but it does to a great degree. It affects their relationship with their spouse, with their kids, and all sorts of crap starts to build up in their life. And when that crap builds up, it motivates them to create and expand and grow within their own business again. And sometimes it takes all that chaos to do it. So don't create the chaos. Be deliberate about setting goals and being an achiever, knowing that that fulfills you the most and those around you the most. And that's number one investment. And then number one strategy, which is the third one. So we have number one asset, number one investment, number one strategy. Okay, well, what do I do with my cash after I've done everything I can to build my business and my career? Because most companies and, and businesses can only put so much back into their business. It's to then store it where it's guaranteed, protected, and liquid in a banking system that we write about in our book to utilize back into your life, into your personal economy, into your business for future money decisions that you're going to make anyway and that creates the highest rate of return than anything else out there in the marketplace today. And it protects more than anything your courage and confidence to create at the highest level, which we just concluded is your highest investment and rate of return anyway. So tell me, uh, I missed, so you said store it where it's guaranteed, protected, I missed the third one. And liquid. And liquid, got it. Um, I love, so store it where it's, and I'm sure everybody listening has got to be wondering where that is where is it guaranteed <laughs> protected and liquid and and what i love about this by the way is that what uh what i think you're about to share um is uh, is somewhat controversial in nature because there's a couple of very famous uh you know financial gurus if you will that yeah. uh, that that have spoken against uh the you know against one of the vehicles that you recommend in the book and i and i uh, I, you know, after being further educated, I now understand why they speak against it. Sure. Um, and, uh, and I understand the power of it to the point of where that's how I started working with Garrett is I, I learned about your guys's philosophy on this and, uh, and, you know, and I actually reached out to Garrett and, and invested, uh, money, um, uh, through, based on his advice. So anyway, so yeah, so what, uh, where number one strategy, where, where do I put my cash after I've done everything to build my career business? And you say store it where it's guaranteed, protected and liquid sounds like a fairy tale too good to be true. Where, where, uh, where Michael, uh, is the best place to store your cash? Yeah. Such a, such a powerful, uh, question when we internalize it and utilize it with our number one asset, number one investment, and we're seeking for that number one strategy in our life. And there's only one place as far as a product that's offered by a financial institution for us to put our cash into that has those characteristics, and that's cash flow insurance. 
It's a permanent life insurance product offered by a top 10 mutual life insurance company that's been in business over 150 years. And those life insurance companies, if they're a top 10 mutual, which there's a handful of them out there that are rated high enough that we'd want to use, they're the safest financial institutions in America. So we utilize those characteristics of those products of having the money guaranteed, protected, and liquid, again, to protect our courage and our confidence, our mindset to produce at the highest level, to create the highest rate of return, and then the characteristics of those life insurance policies allow us to use the cash for this banking system in a unique way, different than any other product you could put it in. So why do um, – sorry, so we got cash flow insurance being kind of the solution to this, uh, you know, this the, the problem of not knowing where to store our money and putting it with a bank where now we're getting what point – like two seven or point oh two seven per right I mean, taxable, like, taxable too Hal <laughs> oh love it yeah I mean, yeah so it's it's you might, yeah I think you, I think I think I think that you actually might get more interest in, under the mattress like it's exactly it's, it's so close to zero in a bank and like you said it's even taxable that yeah you're getting more interest in the piggy bank in your under your mattress um but uh, so Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman have said uh, have spoken out against. Uh, this you know this product cash flow insurance. Can you talk about why that is and and what you know what's the difference between the way that you're talking about leveraging the, that that product as a strategy and, and the way that they're saying is you know is bad if you will? Sure, sure. A couple of reasons at a core foundational level, as we talked about the agenda of a financial institution wanting our money regular basis, holding on to it, paying it back as slow as possible. This product of cash flow insurance allows the owner of a policyholder to utilize it in a unique way. And Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey, um, they're touting all those traditional products and not utilizing them in a way. So they're being, they're being paid by the financial institutions to sell the agenda that makes the financial institutions the most amount of money. Mm. And so it's no wonder they're going to talk about and sell what the financial institutions want them to sell versus what's really most efficient for a uh, individual to have in their life. And then the second reason is that these policies, if not used correctly, meaning we certify our uh, agents that sell them in a unique way because they're all these products, if not uh, enhanced with a writer that we write about in our book called a paid up additions writer of putting extra cash into them have enormous commissions that are paid out. And if not structured properly, then it's not the best thing for the consumer, but structured properly, we're going to outperform anything else out there and do it on a guaranteed basis uh, with these policies. Yeah. What I love about this is like when I hired Garrett, he didn't actually sell me the products. And that was, that was a big part of this is I just, I just kind of hired him for consulting. And that was the beauty is yes. he actually wasn't even making com commission on it. And, and, yes. and I, we got to talk personally and it was like, he's like, I have 12, I think it was at that time, like 12 of these policies. And, and, you know, and, and again, he's like, and I can introduce you to, you know, you can use your own insurance guy. I mean, right. So it's like, it wasn't, there was really, there was no commission for him to encourage me to use this product. We just became really good friends. I really got to trust him and to like him and, you know, and understand his philosophies on money were very different than the financial advisors that were out there. Uh, you know, the majority of them. 
and uh, and, and you know, and obviously you and Garrett are are very much aligned in and in, uh, in, in what you guys do. Um, you know, it's funny too. I'll sh- this is kind of a side note. I don't know. Have you ever read the book um, uh, "The Millionaire Fastlane" by M.J. DeMarco? No. I, I, so I think you. I think you should read it. I think you'd love it. Um, uh, you got to get a side of the cheesy title and what you might even <laughs> consider the slightly cheesy. He's like in your face writing. It's and it's so funny. Whenever I talk to anyone that's read that book, uh, even very sophisticated, wealthy folks, they will always they always have to kind of say, "Yeah, it's you got to get past the this and that." And but it's a like the philosophies are amazing. But what he talks about that's kind of kind of funny and and it's it's related to what you're sharing with Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey and these guys is he says. They didn't build their wealth the way they're telling you to build your wealth. Exactly. They're telling you to take what he would call the millionaire slow lane, right? Which is buy mutual funds and hope that they keep going up as they have and on and on, you know, and and don't bank on the next financial crisis that's certainly around the corner, right? Yes. Uh, And and he's like, but they're not, that's not how they're getting wealthy. They're they're getting wealthy by, you know, sharing uh, value to the masses, right? And so it's like, he's like, why aren't they teaching you to do what they're doing? It's really interesting. Number one investment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Number one investment. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, very cool. So, I mean, I know this is something that uh, the you know we were what are we at? We're about out of time, and I know we could talk for the next few hours. And (laughs) I mean, there's 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 so much depth that that you have. Um, anything else to share with with our listeners? Anything that? So, I I think that the biggest thing for me. Let me just kind of recap, and then I'd love if there's any any actionable any takeaway other than you know I encourage everybody to you know go get what would the Rockefellers do. Um, but uh, but for me, the takeaway is right those the, the the shifts in thinking that what is your number one asset. It's your human life value, your own ability to develop and apply your mental capacity and 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 really focus on that. And I'll just share a personal yes. note. For me in 2009, I think, no, maybe 11. Um, so I looked at my life and I went, every area is great except my finances. I went, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really healthy. I'm in great shape. I'm, you know, we have a baby. I'm, I love my wife. Like, like yes. life is almost perfect, but money is still a struggle. And I realized that I wasn't developing my number one asset in that way. And I started all of a sudden, I was like, I'm gonna, why am I reading all these books on meditation? Like I, I, I pretty much, you know, not that I'm a master, but I got to figure it out. Uh, if I want to, the area of my life that if it, if it was improved, everything else would kind of, all the stresses, they would kind of handle themselves. I realized it's finances. So I started investing money. I put all my books on spirituality and everything. I just kind of moved them over to the side. And I just, I started investing my money specifically and my time and my energy in books on improving my income, you know, and in the next 12 months, I, you know, my income increased by 150%. And it's not a coincidence. It's doing exactly what you're talking about, which most people don't do, you know, um, and the number one, right. Yeah, number one investment you talk about, um, right? Your own business or career. And then number one strategy, storing your money where it's guaranteed, protected, and liquid. Cash flow insurance, which is, is a topic that does require a lot of depth, and you focus on that in the book. Is there any, any actionable that you would give? Any, any, any other lesson or takeaway for our listeners before we wrap up? Yeah, yeah. That's great, too, to hear all that from you, too, Hal, and I'm happy for you. We create what we want. Hmm. We do. If we think back in our lives, Hal, of, of what we've really wanted, number one, are we clear about what we want? And number two, do we know why we want it? And if we look back over our lives at those things that we really wanted and why we wanted it, we made it happen. 
just like you. When you're like, hey, I got all these wonderful things going on in my life, but except for this area of money and finance in my life. So then you got clear about what you wanted, why you wanted it, and you made it happen. So I would encourage everyone to think about what do you really want around this area of money and finance? And ask yourself questions like, how is money and finance affecting your life? Is it enhancing it? Do you want it to? Or is it keeping you hostage, holding you scarce in the scarcity mindset, robbing you of your life's vision? I've got some of these questions in the book, but go through and ask yourself these questions and know that if you gain clarity on what you want and why you want it, you can make it happen, especially if you'll pick up a copy of our book and read through it, and we'll definitely help you in that area. I love it. And I know you, you told me uh, a pleasant surprise before we started. You, you're going to do a free giveaway for the book, and uh, yes. I think our listeners just pay shipping. What, how does that work? Yes. What is it, yeah. how, how do we do that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Hal. Uh, Garrett and I wanted to be very generous uh, because of your relationship uh, that you have with Garrett. Uh, if you'll go to www.opticoptic.com slash Hal Elrod. So opticfinancial.com slash Hal Elrod. You can click on there. We've created a page uh, just for your listeners where they can click on and get the book for free. We sell it from our office for $49.95, but it'll be free. And you just pay the shipping. That's six ninety five. Here in the United States, it's more if we go overseas. And uh, we'd love to make that available just for your listeners. We'll put it up for a limited time. All right, so it's opticfinancial.com forward slash Hal Elrod. Yes. Can I buy a copy from that site too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Can I get a copy? Okay, cool. Um, the uh, Yeah, I'm going to get uh, – I, I actually went uh, – uh, yeah, the other day I was thinking of people that I wanted to give it to as I was reading it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna grab nice. one too. Um, very cool. Well, uh, Michael, thank you so much, man. I like I said, I'm 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 on page 97 in the book. I'm still reading it and I'm loving it, and uh, I'm I'm excited that our listeners can pick it up for you know pay the shipping and get that whole deal. That's a really cool offer. So thank you to you and yeah, thank you to Garrett. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be on your show, and uh, I appreciate everything that you're doing to help people achieve their goals and and make things happen. It's definitely uh, possible if, we, if we're clear about what we want and why we want it, that's for sure. Ditto. Well, you're, you're doing it in the financial realm, and uh, I, I appreciate that as well because I, I believe that the more you know, money you have and the more, the more impact you can make with, with that. So, Yes. Cool. Well, Goal Achievers, uh, thank you for tuning in. Once again, I, you know, I appreciate you, and I love you, and I really uh, I value your time, and, and I, uh, I appreciate you tuning in. Hope you got as much value from today's episode as I did. And as you heard from me recapping Michael's, you know, three big lessons uh, twice, I <laughs> I recapped them at two different times because I just I, I wanted to hear them and echo them for you, and I wanted to echo them for myself because I think that they're really really important. Getting clear on your number one asset, your number one investment, and your number one strategy. And if you don't know what those are, that means you need to go back and re-listen to the episode. So because uh, those were covered in depth. But uh, I will talk to you guys and gals next week. Thank you so much. Take care. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. You can find links to all the resources mentioned in this episode, as well as all the past podcast episodes over at hellera.com slash podcast. 
Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by going to hellaura.com slash iTunes, clicking the little subscribe button, and then if you would, please leave a rating and review because rating and reviews truly are the best way for more people to find out about the podcast and decide if this is the one for them. Well, all right, until next week, it's time for you to go out there, take action, and achieve your goals. If you're looking to grow your business using podcasting, but don't have the time to edit the audio, insert the intro and outro, write up the show notes, post the episode to all the different sites, and do all of the ridiculous back-end work that's required, then you need yourpodcastguru.com, where you bring the content and we take care of the rest. We'll even co-host the show for you. Visit yourpodcastguru.com right now to explode your audience and crush it in the podcasting world.